This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I am your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Kyle Lukoff, who used to be a school librarian but now writes children books full-time. And here we are reading a letter from a listener. On that note, I think we should uh, offer one more piece of advice uh, before we wrap up for the day. So with your permission, I'm going to read it. And then with your permission, we'll both answer it. You have my full and enthusiastic permission. Thank you so much. So the subject is playing or straying. I, she, her, have been in a relationship with my partner, they, them, for over six years. We own a house, we have a cat, and we have fun hanging out. The problem is I get very intense crushes. So far, the crushes have been on people who are completely unavailable, like monogamously married men or straight women, but they are so intense that I sometimes think about these other people when I'm having sex with my partner. This can last for months or years. My partner is the only person I've had sex with, so it could be that I'm wondering what it would be like to be with someone else. I also like kink and dirty talk. For my partner, this requires a lot of effort, so we have sex less often than I'd like. We've talked about my intense crushes and have discussed the possibility of an open relationship. My partner has said they would not want to have sex with me if I have sex with someone else because they'd be anxious about being compared to the other person. I haven't had a crush on somebody that I could seriously pursue yet, but that might be only a matter of time before I like someone who's available and likes me back. My partner and I have a good relationship, so I'm worried about jeopardizing something good for a fantasy, but I can't help my heart wandering either. Is this normal? Is there anything I should be doing differently? This is really sweet. It is. Uh, I had missed a sentence when I read this when you sent it to me. Uh, or I missed the part of the sentence where it said, my partner is the only person I have had sex with. And I had misread it as my partner is the only person I have sex with. Um, oh, yeah. that's a. Does that make a difference for you? That does put a spin on it for me. Yeah. Or not, not a spin, but that does. That does. Uh, it doesn't even change what I was thinking, but it like deepens what I was thinking. Yeah. So tell me, tell me a little bit about what you've been thinking. Do you think this is normal? Uh, do you think the letter writer should be changing a lot of things, or do you think like the letter writer is mostly doing fine already and just needs to be reassured? What's your What's your thoughts? I mean, I don't find the word normal to be helpful in a lot of contexts, but in this context, I would say that it is humongously normal to have crushes on people over the course of your life, regardless of how happy you are in a relationship. I would, I cannot think of anything more normal than that personally. Um, although to be fair, I've only been in one like solid, secure, long-term relationship. And that's the one that I'm in right now. Um, it's very nice. So it's funny. So it says, so the only questions here are, is this normal? And the answer is yes. Is there anything I should be doing differently? And the answer to that is it's complicated. So I kind of want to do what you did, Danny, and go back a little bit to the beginning and sort of take it a few sentences at a time. Please, yeah. So it says, my partner is the only person I've had sex with. So it could be that I'm wondering what it would be like to be with someone else. I think that makes a lot of sense. If you've only had sex with one person, I think it is normal to just be curious about what it would feel like to be with someone else. This is not something that I would tell someone to do. This is more a statement of my own 
values that I put in practice in my own life that is not prescriptive for anyone else in the entire world. However, I believe that if you are not, if you are a sexual person, that having sex is a good thing and that having sex with lots of different people is also a good thing. And if you are a person who wants to have sex with different people, I think that you should do that. I'm a big fan of promiscuity from every angle. I think it is a wonderful thing that if you are so inclined, you should allow yourself to do. Right. Not mandatory, but certainly allowed. Not mandatory, but I do believe that promiscuity is a good thing. I'm also interested in the juxtaposition of these two sentences. So you say, I, I also like kink and dirty talk, which to me sounds like this is something that you enjoy, but don't require. But then the follow-up sentence is then, for my partner, this requires a lot of effort. So we have sex less often than I'd like. So those two sentences feel like they're in uh, conflict with me because you're saying this is something that you like, which is different from something that you require. But it sounds to me like your partner might feel as though this is something you require to have sex. Ergo, they don't want to do it that often with you. Um, and I'm curious about what's going on there. That might be a communication issue. That might be a libido issue. You could say like, hey, I don't actually need this every time. Could you just give me a hand job tonight? That'd be really fun. But it does sound like there's something unsaid going on between in those two sentences. That moment struck me too. Yeah, I was also curious about what a lot of the effort meant on their partner's part. I'm going to stop there and let you go, but then I want to go back to some more sentences. Beautiful. Yes, I'm, I'm, I like this method very much. I So, you know, letter writer, I don't want to like do too much uh, attempts to like dissect or look through your letter for a lot of like unspoken clues. But I will say one thing that struck me about this letter um, is oftentimes in a letter like this, um, the letter writer will stress how much they love their partner. And I couldn't help but notice that you actually didn't mention that you loved your partner. Um, You said that you have fun hanging out and that you have a good relationship which is good. Like, I I don't want to, again, I really don't want to pick this apart and be like, this means that you're like not really into this person and you should just part ways now. Um, I just want to encourage you to reflect as you listen to this. You know, do you feel like, oh my gosh, I kind of just took that as a given and I didn't include the detail, but yes, I love my partner immensely. I would hate to break up over this. Or are you maybe kind of arriving at this sense of, We have a lot, you know, kind of financially invested together in this house. Um, Our lives are really intertwined. I care about this person. They're a good person and they don't treat me badly, but I'm not thrilled about our relationship. It's not what I envision for my future. It's not, it's not going great. It's just not bad. Um, Or like, you know, I care about and respect my partner, but um, the things that I want most intensely and most deeply look nothing like my current relationship and seem like something my partner really, really wouldn't want. And if that's the case, you know, it it might be an opportunity to kind of set aside the question of like, is your partner a good person and do you have fun? And also, you know, I, I realize all long-term partnerships uh, involve a certain degree of domesticity um, and and a certain degree of like, it's, it's not always going to feel like your very first date, but you know, um, this is also the only person you've ever had sex with. And I just, I, I wonder here if there's an opportunity to kind of ask, like, do I really want to stay in this relationship if I remove the sort of general sense of like guilt and obligation and I'm already in this relationship and my partner hasn't done anything wrong, so I should stay with them forever. 
Does that feel like too far of a reach for you? No, that also struck me too. And I wasn't going to mention it, but it says that, so yeah, the lines where it said that we own a house and we have fun hanging out and then saying it is a good relationship. Those are important, um, but it does seem like they're, again, I also don't want to pull it apart and say like, well, you didn't say this, therefore you must mean this. Um, but I felt sort of similarly to how you did, Danny, upon reading those uh, those qualifiers. Yeah, it, it just, it struck me as a little bit tepid. And again, it doesn't mean that you secretly hate or have contempt for your partner. It just struck me as like, you say you're worried about jeopardizing something good. And I wonder if the good there means a really good relationship that I would be devastated to lose or we are nice to each other and we have fun and things are mostly fine. Um, because if if it's the former, I would have one set of advice. And if it's the latter, I would really want to encourage the letter writer to think about not just like what's okay about now, but what are the things that I actively want for my future? Um, especially because, you know, the the description of the crushes are like intense, vivid, sometimes lasting months or years. There's a little bit more um, sort of like color and flair to those descriptions. And so again, I'll just I'll just notice letter writer. There's a, there's a little bit more affect there. There's a little more intensity there. At the end of the second paragraph, there are also two sentences that again have something unspoken in the middle. So it says, so we have talked about my intense crashes and have discussed the possibility of ocean of open relationships. So I'm glad that you're telling your partner about your feelings. That's really important. And I'm glad that the idea of open relationships at least exists within within the two of you. Like, you know that this is a possibility, whether or not you want to do it or not. But then the next sentence says, my partner says they will not want to have sex with me if I have sex with someone else because they'd be anxious about being compared to this other person. So there is a lot to unpack there. There's just a lot to unpack there. And this might not be fair, but there's this idea that sort of like popped into my head. And it's this idea of like bread and butter sex. Like there's the sex, it's like good. It like gets you off before you go to sleep. It's like nice, it's fun, it feels good. Um, And then there's the kind of sex that you have that can be like mind-blowing and intense. And you like never even want to talk to the person again because it just took you to a place that you didn't know that you could go to. There is the sort of sex that you honestly don't want to have with a partner because like maybe it's like hard to walk for a few days after and you just can't work that into your busy lifestyle. Or there's things that you can only explore with someone who doesn't know you and you don't have to like have the horror of like seeing that person the next day knowing they've known this about you. And like, I get why your partner might have this anxiety about being compared to someone, but there's nothing wrong with just like, there's nothing wrong with bread and butter sex, I would say. And it's also okay to like want to find something different with a stranger. But I don't know how you say that to your partner. I don't, I don't know. I mean, the thing that really struck me there was like, uh, you know, again, like I'm glad your partner is sharing their own feelings back with you. But that to me is like a, a pretty like, preemptively protective maneuver. And it also struck me as sort of like poignantly ironic because your partner is already being compared to other people. (laughs) Like the thing that they're afraid of is already happening. And I think that's often the case. Like the things that we fear most in relationships are the things that exist. And and we want to try to like 
negotiate away um, or forestall. And that's not to say that like, if you think something bad could happen in your relationship, it's probably already happening. I just, I think people tend to fear dynamics that are likely um, rather than something that is like completely uh, unfamiliar. So again, I don't say that letter writer to suggest you should say to your partner, by the way, I'm already mentally comparing you to other people and or like fantasizing about other people. So, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. I just mean like, it's interesting to me that the thing that you often find like vibrant, exciting, novel, pleasurable is something that in at least some form your partner is afraid of. And that strikes me as not necessarily an insurmountable um, conflict, but it's a very real conflict. And, and it's something that, again, you should not try to like explain away. You should start by acknowledging we feel very differently about this and whether or not we're able to find a, a workable, interesting, pleasurable compromise remains to be seen. But we're starting from a place of, of you know, substantial disagreement here because um, I think it's always better to work from reality rather than like what you wish um, were the case or like it won't be that bad. Um, it also strikes me as you know, again, it really could depend on how your partner said this and what the context was. Um, but but that also strikes me as a potentially like punitive response, which is like, well, if you want to have an open relationship, I'm not going to go so far as to say I don't want that or that that would be a deal breaker for me. But I do want you to know that I would stop having sex with you because I would feel bad, which is not not passive aggressive. Let's go ahead and call that passive aggressive. Again, that doesn't mean that your partner was being a jerk for saying that or that they were wrong to feel that way or that they are a fundamentally passive aggressive person. But that is a passive aggressive response that speaks to, I think, real discomfort and real disagreement that is worth excavating a little bit more thoroughly. Um, and again, the good news there is that you two have already discussed this some. So there's at least a track record of like, we, we have this stuff out in the open. We don't have to tiptoe around it. And so I guess one thing I'm curious about letter writer is, would that feel like an interesting or worthwhile trade-off to you? Like you don't say what that makes you feel outside of generally this relationship is good. So I'm curious if your partner said, I will countenance or accept or, or whatever the word is, an open relationship, as long as you're okay with you and I not having sex anymore, does that sound good to you? And I say that again, like it's possible that it's kind of passive aggressive and also not the worst thing in the world. Um, it is possible that the two of you might love your other like shared domestic emotional intimacy and companionship um, and decide to end your sex life together and you have other partners that you have sex with. Does that sound like fun? Does that sound good? Or does that sound sad? Does that sound heartbreaking? Does that sound painful? Um, think about how that makes you feel and then consider whether you would like to, you know, make a counter proposal or or say like, I, I wouldn't want it on those terms, but I would still like one, which means that maybe we are not going to be compatible for the rest of our lives together. So I'm also curious about what your partner's response would be if you said, okay, that's fine with me. Like, I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like would, like if you said to your partner, that's fine. Like you, if, if we don't have sex anymore, like you know, there's wondering how you would feel in that circumstance. And there's asking your partner, okay, so if we did this, how would that make you feel? Like, how would that change our relationship? And if so, how? And like, this being said, I do know like many partners where that is their dynamic, where they like share a home, they share a life, they are like deeply committed to each other. And also they no longer have sex with each other and exclusively have sex with other people. And like, that is not, that's not that uncommon. It sounds like a perfectly workable kind of relationship if that's something that 
both of you want. And also that might potentially be something that, you know, it sounds like it sounds like an ultimatum, but it also doesn't even have to be. Like maybe if the response to that is, okay, let's try that for a while. And then you go on to like fuck some strangers. And then it's also possible that like a few months into that, your partner might turn to you and be like, you know what? I really miss sleeping with you. Can we still do that? Like a lot of this is just kind of like fuck around and find out. Like, let's see, let's see what happens if we navigate these waters together. Yeah. So, you know, I, I see letter writer, a lot of potential different avenues for the two of you here. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm certainly leaning towards, I want to encourage you to think seriously about the things that you want and then encourage your partner to talk to you seriously about the things that they want. But, uh, you know, when you say, am I jeopardizing something good for a fantasy? I, I really don't know. All I'll say is that um, moving from a monogamous relationship to an open one um, is not a purely theoretical fantasy. People do it. People have done it. Sometimes it is very challenging. Sometimes it's very exciting. Sometimes it's both. Sometimes people do it for a while and then part ways realize that, you know, they don't like it in the ways that they thought they would. But so I guess I just mean like, yes, it exists presently for you as a fantasy, but it is not only a fantasy. This is a thing that people do and have done for a long time. So at least on that front, it's not like, um, no, monogamy is the only thing that exists. Um, and you're just making up something new. Like, I, I think you've so far only experienced this kind of desire in isolation and in fantasy, and it might do you good to look outside of your own immediate relationship for, you know, examples of other people who have done this either within your own social circle or elsewhere or, you know, um, looking at, you know, are there other people who have done this in a way that I admire, in a way that feels compelling? My last thought that I'll throw out here, I don't think it's super likely. I'm just curious. And so letter writer, I encourage you to think about this. If this feels off base, you know, dismiss it. But you say your partner's the only person that you've had sex with. Um, you don't mention if it's the other case. And then you also mention that your your partner would be really anxious about being compared to other people. And I just, I wonder, is your partner kind of invested in being your only sexual experience in a way that maybe is just no longer working for you? Um, I don't want to suggest like, oh, this must mean your partner is super controlling or or anything like that. I'm just sort of like, it maybe seems like one thing that has historically been a thing that your partner has enjoyed, even if they wouldn't necessarily have like um, planned it out, but like maybe they've enjoyed being your only point of reference. And one of the things that you're now realizing is that you would like to at least entertain the possibility of having sex with other people. And that on some level distresses your partner. And and so it might also just be a question like you might both be lovely people um, who have, you know, meaningful and important sexual and romantic desires that are in conflict. And if ultimately you, you two decide to break up over that, that's not because one had good desires and the other had bad desires. It's just sometimes you have to figure out, is there room for like real meaningful compromise here? Or is the thing that you're suggesting a protective passive aggressive way of trying to mitigate this fear of rejection that would in fact like breed resentment and grudges between the two of us that would make us both unhappy. And that's a question only the two of you can answer in conversation with each other, but I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. I don't even necessarily have advice for this person except acknowledging that like, yes, you're normal uh, because that's normal. But as I was, I've been thinking about this letter a lot too. And 
the, I didn't have advice so much as I was like thinking about what seemed likely to me. And it seems like eventually my guess is that you will have a crush on someone who is able to have a crush on you back. Um, That seems almost inevitable, honestly. And I think it's really good that you're trying to figure out what to do in advance of that instead of being immediately reactive and pretending like it caught you by surprise. So good on you for that also. Yeah. And, you know, if you get a chance, uh, letter writer, write us back. I would love to hear about some more of your thoughts after listening to this. If you and your partner do talk about this again, how that goes, whether or not you decide to try anything new, um, just, just, you know, whenever you get the chance, write back and let us know how you're doing. I would love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with a guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form, or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening.